This morning, uh, we are going to talk about fasting for Lent. Yay! <laughs> A wave of enthusiasm sweeps across us all, right? Um, sermon on fasting for Lent is basically Latin for time to take a nap, all right? See also play Angry Birds on my phone, okay? Um, <laughs> So I understand that. And as a matter of fact, if we could get uh, all the lights up, that would probably be a good idea as we talk about this. Um, But I understand that that is kind of something that it's like, oh, man, really? All right. That's that's kind of whatever. But this is this is an important thing. And it's and it's actually a really cool practice and something that is alive with rich layers um, waiting to be discovered. And it is really a cool way. Um, that God uses to kind of draw us into his story. One of the things that we've said over and over again um, as we meet together here on Sundays um, and and throughout the week uh, as we continue to live out what it means to be the church is that we say we want to be story-centric and tied to time. And when we say story-centric, we we mean that we want to be rooted in the scripture, okay? That the sweep of the whole narrative of scripture um, is this opportunity. It's not just like an old, um, ancient thing for us to engage only intellectually. Partially, it is for us to engage intellectually. But it's also the kind of thing that is alive and that draws us into it. So it's not something that we read in a detached kind of way only, but it's something that we interact with. And we are being invited into the story that God has been telling. And the whole narrative sweep of Scripture is the story of a God who is bent on rescue. A God who is bent on rescue. And from the very beginning, from the moment humanity falls into sin, then God is hatching a rescue plan to win us back. And the whole sweep is about that. And and so we want to root ourselves in that. And so we intentionally um, walk through Scripture here together. Okay? Rather than just kind of do uh, these series that we feel like would be kind of hot topics and, and hit kind of jump from hot topic to next hot, hot topic. We try to root it in this kind of um, this chronological <laughs> march through scripture, right? Um, because we want to get the whole breadth of it and we want to be taught by scripture and we want to learn to live in that rhythm. That it offers us. So the other part of that, the tied to time, is another way we engage with that. Is we actually follow the ancient Christian calendar, the calendar that the church has been um, kind of living by for generations and generations and generations. And so we are a new church without a lot of kind of individual history, but we are rooting ourselves in a much larger story, and we're reminding ourselves we are a small expression of a much larger movement of God around the world and throughout the ages. And so we tie ourselves to time. And so through Advent, we wait on the arrival of the Messiah and we listen to the words of the prophets and we kind of feel that same longing that Israel felt as they waited for the arrival of the Messiah. At Christmas, we celebrate it that finally Jesus has come. God becomes flesh and lives among us and comes to save us. And then through Epiphany, we pray that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear 
in a new way. And now we get to this season of Lent that actually starts this coming Wednesday. Wednesday is the beginning of Lent. And Lent is the 40 days that lead into the Easter season. Okay, it's 40 days before Easter. So instead of just kind of skipping forward to Easter, in Lent, we actually walk with Jesus towards the cross. And so we enter into this journey with Jesus towards the cross, and we prepare to also embrace the cross ourselves, because that is the invitation of Christianity. It absolutely is an invitation into resurrection. But Jesus reminds us there is no resurrection except on the other side of death, right? And so we embrace this invitation to die to ourselves, to pick up the cross of Jesus and to walk with him all the way to the cross and then experience what it means to taste his resurrection along with him. And so that's what we're going to do as Easter is out there in the distance, 40 some days away, right? We begin now to walk with Jesus towards the cross. And, and that's what happens in Lent. Lent is this kind of time where it's like Lent is, is the beginning of the end. Okay, Lent is the beginning of the end, which is actually just the end of the beginning, but that has to wait until later, right? But with, with Lent, the cross starts to come into focus. And, and so we've celebrated the, the waiting. We've celebrated the arrival of Jesus. We've talked together about his parables and, and, and we study his life. But as, as Lent comes around, suddenly we realize where this story is going. And no longer is Jesus just this kind of teacher that we marvel at. And man, he's a genius. He's brilliant. He has incredible things to say. He turns the world upside down with the kind of revolutionary teachings that he offers. But we realize exactly where this story is going. And we realize how this story is going to end. And so at the beginning of Lent, the shadows start to shift a little bit. The story grows dark and heavy. Plots start to be made in secret places, right? Traitors begin to whisper. And plans are made to take Jesus down. And we can feel the weight of that. We can feel the heaviness of that. And suddenly the cross begins to emerge and begins to come into the picture as we walk towards it. So, so Lent is the beginning of the end. Lent is also um, is a time of submission. It's like this wilderness experience, like a desert exile, where we willingly submit ourselves. Lent is a time of memory. It's where we remember just how frail we are and how deeply we are in need of rescue and how deeply we need a savior. Lent begins with Ash Wednesday, okay? And it's this day that where a lot of times churches will gather together and people will come forward and they will get literally a cross marked on their forehead in ashes, okay? Marked on their forehead in ashes and then they walk around the rest of the day completely freaking everyone else out, right? Everyone's like, there's something there, okay? But, uh, but, but the thing is, is this, it is a reminder to us of how frail we are. In two bold strokes, we're reminded of our past frailty and our past despair. And yet at the same time, reminded of our future hope. 
And that's what Ash Wednesday is about. And literally the use of ashes is meant to drive home the point of just how frail we are and how much we need God. So that's, that's what Lent is about, okay? And, and it is this time that often where people uh, historically through the church have, have intentionally entered into this time of fasting, where for 40 days they will give up something that they love, okay? And by doing that, every time we have that urge to reach for that thing that we love and we remember, wait, I'm giving that up, the, the, the trigger in our memory is that there is a greater love. There is a first love. There is someone we love more than that thing that we're reaching for. A lot of times uh, fasting in Lent has to do specifically with food. Um, and, and that's important too because it reminds us that we are submitting even our most primal and necessary cravings to God. That even that thing that we need the most, even that thing that is good in, in our lives, the things that are even necessary in our lives, even those have to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And so we need to love him more even than those things that we need the most because there's nothing more that we need more than him. And it's that reminder, that constant reminder of exactly who he is, exactly how much we need him to sustain our lives. And so that's what this is about. Fasting in Lent um, is... It can be kind of confused. So, so real quick, two things that fasting in Lent is not, okay? Fasting in Lent is not a diet, all right? Nice enough of the church fathers to place it in coordination with, like, once we get to the end, it's, like, close to the beginning of summer, all right? Thank you for doing that, but that's not what the intention was, okay? So it's not this kind of, like, crash diet kind of deal, okay? It's not an opportunity for that. It's, that's completely missing the point. The other thing that Lent is not is Lent is not a hunger strike. Okay? Lent is not a hunger strike. Now, throughout history, um, people have used kind of the, the tool of the hunger strike to put political pressure on people, maybe to, to sway public opinion or, or to raise like a, a awareness for an important issue. And throughout history, people have used that in noble ways to get attention, to sway sympathy, and to get people to join their side, okay? Lent and fasting is not that. It is not that. You do not need to sway the sympathy of God. It is already in your corner, okay? You do not need to starve yourself in order to win God's attention, Your name is always on his lips. Your face is always at the front of his mind. You have his attention. This is not a trick to gain more of his attention. Okay? It's not that. It's not to win his sympathy, to win his attention, or to get him on your side. Not at all. Fasting is not about getting God's attention on us. Fasting is about turning our attention towards him. And that is what is at the heart of all of this. And so that is why we fast during these 40 days leading up to Easter. We focus our attention on him. We submit even our most primal and necessary cravings. And we say, you are more important than that. And it focuses us in on him as we walk through this difficult journey 
towards the cross. And that difficult journey makes Easter even that much more alive for us. Because it's not something that just kind of snuck up on us, right? It's something that we journeyed with him towards. And we felt the pain of every step. And when we get to Good Friday, our heart is breaking over that. And when we get to the the Saturday after Good Friday, we are just heartbroken because the, the saddest day, the darkest day in human history, God is dead. But we wake up Sunday morning after having walked that whole long journey with him and we cannot even contain our joy and our excitement because Christ is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And he takes us up into resurrection with him. So that is what this time is about. Okay, Isaiah chapter 58 talks about what true fasting is, and it gives us a template for what we're going to enter into for the next 40 days, what true fasting is about. So God is speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah, and God is is saying this. He says, why have we fasted, the people say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed And so God answers back, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? What a great question from God. Is that what you call a fast? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. What a powerful, powerful glimpse of what true fasting is about. It is not this empty ritual that we go through because we kind of feel guilted into it and we probably should do this. And it's not just about Just kind of this going through motion. It's not that. It's not about going through motion. It's about being swept up in movement. 
And there's a major difference between the two. It's about being a part of what God is doing in this world. This is what he calls us to. This is a true kind of fast. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. You call that a fast? He says the thing that I call a fast is to break the chains of the oppressed and to loosen the yoke and to bring freedom to those who are in slavery. This is what fasting is about, he says. This is my heart. This is my heart. Love it. This is beautiful. In this, God gives us a picture of what he's about. And he gives us a picture of what his gospel is about. And it says, the gospel, interestingly enough, in this passage, and and as we see it all throughout scripture, the good news of God is a very social thing. It's a very social thing. And what I mean when I say that is this. It's got two aspects to it. First, it's social in the sense that it's meant to be experienced in community. Right? It's a relational thing. It's, it's not j- merely individual. The decision of whether or not you will become a follower of Jesus Christ is a personal decision. But actually following Jesus Christ, walking with him, is a very communal kind of thing that we're called into. You have to make that decision on your own. But once you have made that decision to follow him, he draws you in to a community experience. He says this is not merely an individual thing. This journey was meant to to be together. So in here, you see that fasting is not just this kind of personal, like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, do this number. But it is this thing that involves other people. And it's a very relational kind of thing. Secondly, it's social in the sense that it transforms society. All right, it transforms society and it absolutely impacts culture. And everywhere we see the gospel being lived out in courageous and true and authentic ways, the impact of it doesn't just stay in a person's heart. It wells up until it flows over and they begin to make an impact in the world around them. Where there are true, authentic communities of Christ followers, the culture around them begins to feel a difference begins to notice something and it begins to spill out. It's not reserved to a couple of hour block on a Sunday morning, but it begins to spill out and the whole community around begins to feel the effects of it. And they might not be able to put their finger on it or understand why, but they know that there's something different, that there's this groundswell, this underground thing happening. And they're feeling the effects of it. So the gospel is social in both ways, relational and societal, transforms the society. A a while back, I was um, meeting with a friend, sitting across the table with a friend, and he was telling me uh, his story. And he was telling me about kind of his past and his incredible success. He's this entrepreneurial guy that just was like, you know, almost everything he touched was turning to gold kind of situation. And um, because of an addiction to drugs and alcohol, all of that was completely stolen from him. And he found himself in a position he never imagined he would be in. And as we sat there talking about it, his eyes were filled with tears, but not because of his bad decisions, not because of bad luck that had happened or, or things like that, 
it, it wasn't about kind of this road that brought him here that he was in tears about. The thing he was moved about was he said that ever since he was a young person, he hated Christianity. He hated it. And he wrote it off as, as a religion for the simple-minded. And on intellectual grounds, he was completely opposed to it. But then he talked about the ways that since he had come into this rock-bottom experience, every bit of mercy and compassion and help that he had experienced had come as a result of people motivated by Christian love. He was in tears over that. And he said, all my life I've been opposed to it on intellectual grounds, but now I'm sitting in this spot and I'm feeling this compassion and this mercy. And he says, there has got to be something to this. There has got to be something to this. And there is something to that. There is. Love is the new apologetic. Love is the strongest apologetic there is. We absolutely have to know our theology. We need to understand our doctrine to know what we believe and why. That is extremely important. But that understanding has to begin to work itself out in our lives into practice. We have to be practical theologians to know what we believe and then to do it. And to put it into practice. And that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. Last weekend, uh, I'm not sure if you guys heard about this or not, but basically Christians broke the Internet last weekend. Okay, there was this huge discussion on the Internet through blogs and Twitter and all kind of stuff where Christians were debating over the existence of hell. And they were just going to town on it to the point that on the uh, the top, the trending topics on Twitter. All right. There's like 10 top trending topics that around the world, this is the most popular kind of thing talked about on Twitter. In that top 10 landed this debate over the existence of hell. All right, this top 10, which is normally, as someone said, normally reserved for for Middle East revolutions and Justin Bieber. Okay, and last night, Franklin Street, actually Franklin Street made the top trending topics last night. Woo, all right, Um, crazy. But um, so this debate over the existence of hell lands there and the whole internet basically is blowing up Christians debating and, and discussing over the existence of hell. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. We have to believe what scripture says about those things. We have to know it. We have to understand it. We have to believe it. Okay? But we also cannot forget that at this moment there are people around the world who are living through hell right now they believe in hell because they live it every single day and they are begging for someone to do something about it so here's the thing let's feel free to debate hell on twitter but we better fight hell on earth we better fight the reality of it on earth because there are people who are living through a daily hell. This is the kind of thing that God asks us to do with our fasting. Not just to fast from something, but to fast for something. So over the next 40 days as a church together, we're going to call us all to a fast together, to a community fast. 
We're not going to tell you necessarily what you have to fast from, but we are going to ask you to join us in fasting for something. There are people around the world, 27 million people right now, who are living in modern-day slavery. As we've talked before, 27 million people, more than any other time in the history of the world, more than any other slaves at any other time in the history of the world, half of those 27 million are under the age of 18. And this slavery comes in all kinds of disturbing forms. It's unfair labor practices all the way to to sexual exploitation. Not just of adults, but of children as well. Slavery, alive and well. God says, what kind of fast do I want, do I ask from you? The kind of fast that breaks the chains of injustice. The kind of fast that throws off the yoke. And that brings freedom to the slave. That brings hope to the oppressed. That's what he's asking us to do. So, this Lent, we're going to ask you to give up Lent for Lent. All right? No, not really. But instead of just fasting from something, we're going to ask you to look at it in a different view and come from a different angle and to fast for something. To pray for the slaves around the world. To pray for the freedom of slaves around the world. And you might be thinking, well, well, okay, we can pray for it, but aren't we going to do something about it as well? Absolutely. But here's the deal. Once you begin to pray about something, the danger of prayer is rarely does God let you just pray from the sidelines. He uses that prayer to drag you right into the middle of it. So through this Lent, we're going to do that. We're going to ask God to open our eyes, to open our hearts. And we're going to pray for the slaves around the world. There are multiple ways for you to do this, okay? And we're going to send out an email as well that spells this out a, a little bit as well. But on our website, um, love, lovechapelhill.com, there's a, there's a thing that says current series. Under current series, there's just the word orange, okay? And this is, this is our kind of joining this, this fight against human trafficking around the world. Look through there, and there are options on there of places where you can get educated, places where you can donate, um, but also um, a website that kind of spells out the different things that we can be fasting from during Lent. Okay, There's also a website called slavefree.com. And on there, it talks about the different um, things that, that kind of feed into this chain of demand for slavery around the world. And so we're going to fast from some of these things. We're going to break the chain, all right, the chain of demand. And also by doing that, we will affect the chains, literal chains that people are in around the world. Okay? So that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. We want to be a part of the fight against hell on earth. We are the sparks of redemption in the world. We are the sparks of redemption in the world. So we have to fight the shadows of the fall everywhere we find them. And that's what we're going to be about. We're not just going to fast from, we're going to fast for. So we invite you to join us in that over the next 40 days. God, thank you for this passage that you give us, this beautifully written passage, but even more than that, this dangerous passage. That doesn't allow us just to kind of be people who continue to go through the motions. 
but you try to drag us into movement. God, as we lay things down over this Lent season, as, as we kind of give some things up, I pray that every time we want to reach for those things, you will remind us to pray for your children, your sons and daughters around the world who are victims of this. And help us to be a part of the fight against hell on earth. We love you. We thank you. And so we enter this together as a community, as your people. To fast for your children. So your name we pray. Amen.